G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. So I want to show you Jesus in this passage and show you why it pumps me up. Jesus looks for hiding people. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. My name is Bill. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. We're continuing the rest of Pastor Jeff's message called Hide and Seek. It's a wonderful reminder that Jesus came to save the lost, those of us in hiding, like He did for the Samaritan woman at the well and for despised tax collectors, Matthew and Zacchaeus. Jesus sees us as we are and asks us to humbly turn and follow Him anyway. Here's Pastor Jeff with more on Today with Jeff Vines. hide and seek for a moment. The game hide and seek, when we played hide and seek when I was a boy, I was like 6'3 and about 150 pounds. Imagine that. It's like a straight bean pole. (laughs) And I was so skinny that I could hide under the kitchen sink behind the drainage pipes. I could contort and twist and turn. And it was a great place to hide. Um, Yeah. Until you realize that there are other things that hide there too. Like uh, mice and uh, garden snakes and maggots and things like that. On one occasion, I got stuck under the sink. Uh, I just put my arms through too many drainage pipes and I couldn't get out. And my brothers yelled, Ali, Ali, Alex, and Free, come, come home. And I couldn't, but I was too prideful to admit that I was stuck. After all, that, no one had ever found me in this hiding place. So if I needed help, then they would know my secret hiding place. And so... My dad, thank God, didn't give up and he kept looking, kept looking because I started hurting and getting sore and things were all out of whack. And then finally my father opened the kitchen cabinets. There it was. He found me. He got me out. I could breathe again. I was free. There are some people who cannot make it out of hiding on their own. They got to be sought. They got to be pursued with patience. They got to be loved in Jesus' name. Even when you see the ugliness, they try to hide. Sometimes it's in your own family. Can I show you Jesus? Jesus did not say, Zacchaeus, change your life, change your job, pay back everything you owe, and then I might put you on my calendar of events for a visit. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, stop hiding, tell everybody what you've done, confess your sins right now, start living a good and clean life, and I might come to your house. No. Jesus loved Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus got respectable. And what did the religious people do? They grumbled and they were angry. 
And when you receive Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you. And you know what the Holy Spirit does? He gives you the power to say no to sin and death in your life. Now, that's, that's a core foundational belief of Scripture. There are times in your life when sin is going to talk to you and say, hey, can I borrow your eyes? Sin does this to me when I'm traveling and I'm in the airport and I see a beautiful woman. Sin will say, hey, Pastor Jeff, can I borrow your eyes? If I say yes, then sin will go, wow, this is fantastic. Can I have them for the whole trip? But the Bible says I don't have to say that anymore. Because in Romans 6, he says, stop lending the members of your body to sin, the entity of sin, because sin needs the members of your body to fulfill its ugly desires. So the Apostle Paul, in kind of a cartoonish kind of way, says you've got to start imagining sin as a separate entity than yourself that's always asking you for the members of your body so it can fulfill its evil desires. Because you have the power of the Spirit in you, now you have the power to say no. Also, sometimes sin will ask me for my mouth. Say, Pastor Jeff, can I borrow your mouth? usually after my wife has started an argument. <laughs> it's always her fault. And she'll say something to me like, you're nothing like my father. You know, you don't dress like my father. You don't fix things around the house like my father. You're nothing like dad. Now at that point, I'll get really mad. Usually I won't say anything because I'm smart. <clears throat> and because I obviously have the power of the spirit in me. Sometimes, though, sometimes, sometimes I'll give in and I'll say something to Robin like, oh, yeah, well, you don't cook like my mom. As a matter of fact, you're nothing like my old girlfriends. And yeah, yeah, that really works well, huh, guys? That really works well. That's always a winner. The point I'm making, though, is that I don't do these things that much anymore because the Spirit of God is in me and he gives me power. Now, here's my question to you. If we really believe that we are powerless over the sin in our lives without the power of the Spirit in us, then why do you expect people who are far from God to act like they are near? Why do you expect someone who doesn't have the power of the Spirit of God in them to act as if they do? Remember the story I told you that happened when my daughter was at her uh, awards banquet at a very conservative church in our community? And since it was the final meeting of the year, the star athlete of the school brought a prostitute as his date. Now, you can imagine in this conservative Baptist church what went on. And all of the men, what were they doing? Well, first of all, they were looking. And second of all, they were saying, what are you doing here? But I'm glad you're here, but what are you doing here? But I'm glad you're here, but what are you doing? You know, that kind of thing. And there was this older gentleman that stood up. He was the most mature believer in the room. Because he stood up and he got a big smile on his face. And he said, babe, before we start, I just want to say everyone is welcome here. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you. No matter what you've done or where you've been, he loves you. And I looked over and tears were coming down her face. Now, what if we had not let her in because she didn't fit the mold? She may never heard the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is. Jesus inspires me, and this passage pumps me up because it reminds me that Jesus says to his fishermen, you just don't get it, do you, man? It's not the well who need a doctor, it's the sick. And I came to seek and to save the lost. Now, four years ago, I created a similar stage because I was going to coffee clutch a lot at that time. And I shared with you three or four people that I had shared my faith with, that God had made me aware of, 
that had become believers and they're all still at CCV. They're, some are struggling, but they're all still here. And they all had a commitment to Christ. But if you notice, I haven't told you a story like that for like three years. Why? I got lazy. Man, it's so easy to do. See, the first thing that I want you to know about Jesus is he was always aware of people who were hiding. But not only was he aware, he was always available. Amen. Available. I've been feeling really guilty lately. I, I think that our church has even hit a bit of a stagnant because of, partly because of me. I got to get back to what I know God has called us to do. So I'm back at Coffee Clutch almost every morning again. I want to tell you about a couple people, a few people. I got this guy here. He's a Vietnam War vet. Vietnam messed him up. He lives on the streets, always looks angry, pretty intimidating, but he's always hungry too. He lives on the streets, homeless. For a while, I just started avoiding him. I didn't know how to handle him, but then God kept making me more and more aware, and it seemed like he was always there when I was there. <laughs> so I started offering him a coffee or some food. Sometimes he would just shout back, why, why do you want to help me? Other times he'd get this big old smile on his face, man, man, I would love a sandwich or some coffee. I'm working on this guy. A couple other people. There's a lady that sits over in the corner. Interesting lady. She knows who I am. And so for the first few times I said, hello, how are you? She just put her head down, put her hat down and would put it, her face in the book. And she would make me, I mean, it was her way of communicating. Look, leave me alone. I know who you are. I don't want anything. I found out later that she had lost her husband and her kids to the courts because of a drug addiction. She's just trying to deal with all that now. At first, she wouldn't talk to me. And now I'll say, hi, how are you? And I says 50-50. Sometimes she'll say, yeah, uh, you, you could pray for me. Well, how can I pray for you? Other times, it's leave me alone. It's going to take a while. Okay, then there's this guy. It's taken me a while to learn about this guy. Uh, always has his Bible with him. Uh, he's a Bible thumper. Uh, he thinks that what he's done in his life has been so bad in the past that the only way he can make up for it now is screaming at everybody that they're all going to hell if they don't repent. Now, everybody's hiding. The Vietnam War vet's hiding. He's trying to find himself. He needs somebody to find him. He needs somebody to make sense of the world again. She's hiding. She just needs forgiveness and grace and mercy and somebody to say, hey, you can, you can start again. But this guy, is the, he's going to be the most difficult one because he already thinks, he, he thinks he's righteous and religious already. I need to slap him. God has really convinced me that I'm helping this guy with food and with conversation. I'm helping this lady just by letting her know I'm concerned about her and I receive her and accept her no matter what's happened. This guy, I don't know yet. I'm not sure how I'm going to reach him because he doesn't think he needs to be reached. I'll have to smack him. In the name of Jesus. You do recognize, though, that for most of us, uh, we have an arrogant problem. Because as soon as we say somebody is farther from God than somebody else, we're assuming that somehow we earned faith. You know, faith, according to the Bible, is a gift. God opened your eyes at some point in your life and called you to himself. Now, it's confusing sometimes for me because as a theologian, the Bible says, I'll be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's about talking about Jesus and his crucifixion. So somewhere along the line, there's a there's a compromise. 
There are times in your life that Jesus calls you and the calling is stronger than other times. If he's doing that now, it's best that you respond because the calling may not always be as strong and intense. However, once we say that somebody is farther from God than we are or somebody else, we're assuming there's some kind of, we're assuming that we became Christians because we weren't so far from God and we really didn't need that much help, so God called us and we heard. It's kind of an arrogance. Jesus was always aware of people who were hiding and he always made himself available. Can we say that word on the count of three? One, two, three, available. One more time. One, two, three, available. Let's do them both. One, two, three, aware. One, two, three, aware. One, two, three, available. One, two, three, available. Jesus made himself available. Think about it. Ten days from now, he's going to be crucified. Jesus' days are winding down to ministry. He's got the weight of the world. Stay with me now. It's almost the end. Stay with me. Look, look, Jesus has the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's, he's, how would you feel? Well, how would you respond differently if I told you 10 days from now you're going to die and your death is going to be excruciating? Okay? You're going you're gonna to change a little bit. So you can, you can excuse, excuse Jesus uh, if he had not talked to Zacchaeus. He's got the sins of the world on his shoulders. He's got a lot to do before that day of the Passover comes. So you can excuse him. He's kind of busy here. He's dying for the sins of the world. You could excuse him if he said, hey, Peter, I'm kind of busy right now. Could you do me a favor? Get Zacchaeus out of the tree, take him home and tell him about the good news. Or Matthew, you were a tax collector. You speak Zacchaeus's language. Why don't you climb the tree, invite him over to your house, have another tax collecting party and tell him about the good news because I'm kind of busy right now. Got a lot on me. I'm dying for the world, right? But Jesus, can I show you Jesus? Even as the thief is dying, even while Jesus is dying, He's still looking for hiding people. He's interrupted when he's trying to die. And the thief says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. If there's ever a time we would excuse Jesus for saying, excuse me, dude, I'm dying here. Can you give me some peace while I'm trying to provide peace between God and man? Could you just leave me alone for a moment? I've given my entire life for other people. I'm giving it now. Can you just wait? Somehow I hear Jesus under his breath saying, why do these people always wait to the last minute to repent? (laughs) Instead, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Come on out from the shadows. No need to hide anymore. You're safe with me. Can I just show you Jesus? While he's hanging on the tree, feeling the the, the venomous hate of his persecutors, bearing the sins of the world, was aware and available to one sinner who was hiding and needed to come home. Are you? Are you aware? Are you available? You know, there are so many stories I could tell you. Can I, let me just tell you one. There was a guy over at Walmart who stood in the front just seeking for help, food, anything. He had been in prison, a very unfortunate life, and some of which is no fault of his own. Others... He takes full responsibility. But you know, when you've been in prison, it's hard to get work. Every day in front of Walmart, living in his car, not knowing how he's going to make it. And then a guy started coming to Walmart quite regularly and giving him food, sometimes money, just helping him survive. Weeks go by. On a Sunday one time, on the morning, he's just driving by in his car that he lives out of and he sees the church sign and he pulls in. There's a parking lot attendant out in our parking lot and he rolls down the window and guess who it is? It's the guy that's been giving him money and food. 
immediately he thought, this is the place I need to be. He's here. He found Jesus. He loves to talk about Jesus. He loves to talk about how God rescued him. And let me just warn you, if you ever meet him and you start talking to him, he's a talker. <laughs> Jesus was aware. Jesus made himself available. And let me finish. Jesus made a way where all hiding people could be found. He says, very truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I look at that and I think, whoa, hold the phone. If I want to do greater works than Jesus, yes. The Greek word is greater in scope, not in kind. So it doesn't mean that I'm going to go around and raise more people from the dead than Jesus did. It just simply means this, that I will carry a larger scope than Jesus did. Why? Because Jesus is no longer limited to time and space. He's gone home to be with the Father, which means the Spirit now indwells all of us. And Jesus knows there's a better game than hide and seek. It's called sardines. You ever played sardines? In sardines... One person hides and everybody else tries to find them. And when you find them, you join them. So that sooner or later, everybody's hiding. Or at least everybody's rejoicing. And there's one who doesn't find everybody and he loses. However, the game seldom makes it that far. Because when there's a few left, the giggling is so loud that the hiding place is soon discovered. (laughs) This is how people find God. By the laughter of those heaped together. I love to play golf, but golf is my time, okay? So I don't like to play with people I don't know. I like to choose who I'm going to play with and where I'm going to play. It's my selfish time. So what does God do? I'll show you. So every time I show up at a course to play, inevitably there's somebody, hey, you want to join? No. (laughs) You're ugly and I don't like people. In New Zealand, I was on the first tee getting ready to tee off, and it was one of those times I just wanted to be by myself. I saw a guy 100 yards away. I'm thinking, if I hurry and hit this tee shot, I can get out there, and he won't ask. That didn't bother him. He yells, hey, you want to join? You know? No! (laughs) But I'm going to. Come on. And he came on. His name was Tony, not Tony Bennett, another Tony, and we started playing golf together. I found out through my relationship with him that he's been hurt by the church. Thinks God is irrelevant, very skeptical. But we keep playing golf together. And sooner or later, I invite him to join, uh, to join my holy huddle of golfing buddies. And now he's playing golf with Christians. We start laughing together, having lunch together, going on golf trips together. And you know the rest of the story, right? Inevitably, he finds God and a Jesus who loves him and a group of people who love him. And I think God smiles. Imagine what God thinks when he looks down at a church with small groups, life groups, and those life groups have this attitude. Hey, man, this is our group. We don't want anybody in. It might mess up the chemistry. We got it just right. Really? What happened to being fishers of men? This pumps me up because Zacchaeus stands up and he says, Lord, I get it. He gives 50% to the poor. Why does he do that? That's far beyond the 10% the Mosaic law required because he's moved from law to grace. He's not asking, okay, what do I got to do? He's asking, what can I do? He gives back four times what he took from others with 300% interest. That's far beyond the 100%. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. And Luke wants you to know, this is on the magnitude of Bugsy Malone and Al Capone and Mickey Cohan and the worst person you think you know. Anything's possible. And it's possible because Jesus said, I'm going to the Father. And because Jesus went to the Father, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Now listen, this is the end. 
See, when I told the story four years ago, I kind of walked down here, yeah, look what I did. <laughs> Why can't you people do that? You know, I didn't say that, but there's something, you know, we're all sinners. We all got issues. Now I'm realizing, wait a minute, that's unfair because not all of you have the gift I do. I love sitting and talking to people I don't know. To put that on you is unfair. But you do have a gift. Come on. I don't know what it is, but you've got to find out what it is because when you find out what it is, then God sends people that match your gift so that you can bring people who are hiding close to God. If you never find your gift, it's going to be hard to be aware. It's going to be hard to be available. And it's going to be hard to remember God has provided a way for hiding people to be found. You've got to find your gift. You've got to find what it is. It may be encouragement, hospitality, exhortation. It might mean that you need to be in the parking lot. You may need to be in the children's ministry. You may need to be with teenagers. Maybe you have the power of just telling teenagers, look, dude, I've been there, done that. It's not going to work. See, junior hires intimidate me. I'm, I'm terrified of junior high people. <laughs> Scared to death. See, that's not my gift. I don't know what yours is, but find it and then be available. Be aware of people who are hiding and remember Jesus has provided a way and we'll get back on track. Amen? Amen. All right, Father, I thank you and praise you for your goodness. And I ask you that we'd be aware, that we'd be available, and we'd have a passion to discover our gift, knowing that you will send people across our path that we can communicate to because of the way we've been gifted. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. And that was our message, Hide and Seek. I pray you continue to seek Jesus first and draw close to those that are dear to Him, those who are lost and in hiding. Next time, join me for more passages of Scripture that really get Pastor Jeff pumped up. But without the Word, the Spirit has nothing to fire up, to to spark, to light the fire. Man, in Heaven's name, This thing has come along. It could change our entire church, our community, our world. In heaven's name, take advantage of the opportunity. Remind yourself there's something in you that's got to be, that's got to come alive again. It's got to be fired up again. And that thing is the word of God. Get in rooted in heaven's name for the sake of the kingdom. With Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.